You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 1220. You know, two and a half million dollars for a recreational piece of property where you're just going to go use it for duck hunting or whatever. It may seem crazy, but I always tell people is, is one man's dollar is another man's hundred dollars is another man's thousand dollars is another man's million, you know? So that is somebody that's looking at that saying, not only am I going to get joy out of it, I'm going to be able to take my family away from a crazy environment and maybe the city, spend some quality time teaching them where I came from and my history. And then in the end of it, I'm going to be able to turn around when I don't need that anymore or when I, you know, and sell it and get my money plus some out of it. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. Podcast. I'm your host today, Brent Bowers, and today I have Kobe on. He's going to be taking a little bit of a different twist on the land that I usually talk about. He's going to be talk. Kobe's going to be talking about agriculture and recreational land. Kobe just sold a parcel of land for $2.5 million, and his buyer's just going to be using it to hunt on. There is a buyer for every piece of land. We're going to be talking today a little bit about conservation easements and the tax the taxes that you get to save with those, as well as some write-offs for land. Agriculture land has write-offs like the fence posts, the storage tanks in the ground, the barns, all these things. So I'm happy to take a little bit of a different twist on land today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hope you get some value out of it. And I hope you understand that there is a buyer for every piece of land, even if you don't realize it. All right, let's get right into it. Kobe Rickerson, welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on here today. This is yeah, fun. I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait to hear all about your journey. You know, in 30 to 60 seconds, tell Rhino Nation a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, I'm a real estate broker owner in Central and Western Nebraska. I have four locations, and I personally do um, ag and recreation real estate. Uh, but I have six other agents with me that uh, they all specialize in home sales. So it's about the 30 second view. Have you always been in agricultural and recreational land? What did you do before that? Well, so I've kind of had a fun journey. I was in the Navy for 13 years. I was in the submarine force. And then once I got out of the military, I came back and joined my family's business. We were in a trucking business. We ran 48 states in Canada uh, with trucks and then uh, sold my part of that to my brother. I uh, did uh, computer sales and service Verizon for a while at a couple locations. And uh, about six years ago, we started in real estate. So my wife and I own um, a couple of uh, franchises, uh, Remax franchises. So all the ways to invest in real estate, all the ways to make money in real estate, why land? You know, what was the attractant? Well, like what attracted you to land? Agricultural, recreational land to be specific, because you were really, you've niched upon a niche upon a niche, you know, real estate land, agricultural, and recreational? So where I'm from, that's pretty much most of the land is farm ground and ranch land. Um, recreational is kind of one of those things. I think the Cabela's brothers like, coined that and started that out uh, about 25, 30 years ago. And that's kind of, it's become a specialty. But yeah, in our area, um, I grew up a farm kid. My dad was a, mom and dad were farmers. So 
um, and ranchers. So that's kind of how I got, I fell in love with the land. You know, it didn't really click for me uh, to be a production ag guy, but um, now I love going out, looking at it, playing in the dirt every day. And so it's, it's been a great, great journey for me. I love it. And, you know, as a guy that does a lot of residential land, I'm excited to talk to you about the agricultural aspect in the farmland because, you know, just for anybody that's like, what is recreational land? That's a hard word for me to say. What is recreational land? You know, what, what would your definition of that be, Kobe? So basically recreational land is land that the primary or highest and best use of it would be for like hunting or some sort of recreation. That's kind of like it used, it was originally hunting and fishing. And now that's kind of expounded into like, there's a lot of land that's designated towards, let's say ATV or UTV trail system. There's also campgrounds would be into that kind of a that's almost a specialty in its own. But so that kind of stuff is basically what we talk about when we're talking about recreational land. Us around here, it is hunting and fishing for sure. Yeah. Thanks for breaking that down because you just never know. Cause I, I, I had the same, like, that's how I got my start in Colorado was a recreational land. The stuff is kind of off the beaten path. I have done no farmland whatsoever. So I'm, I'm excited to hear about that. But a lot of Rhino Nation, you know, wholesaling ink listener, the podcast listeners, they're in a situation where they're trying to do their first deal, or maybe they've done one or two deals, or maybe they're just running away from their job and they're looking for a way to get started in real estate. So I, I want to ask you kind of like, what did your first deal look like, Kobe? So as far as real estate investment goes, I'm a commercial guy. So I've owned commercial properties, commercial buildings. And then our family, of course, is invested in land. Uh, my dad still has some cattle that he kind of leases out, but He's a landowner. And so we help him kind of manage that. But my first piece of property actually was a commercial building um, that my business was in. And so we bought the building and invested in that. And then we've kind of invested in other commercial properties from there. So more like uh, tenant buildings where we have like offices and, and retail stores in them. So did you buy, like what made you invest in that building? Was it just because you needed office space or what, what prompted you to buy it? Like how did that deal come on? Originally I had sold a, a business and so I needed to find something to do with the money so that I didn't, you know, not that I'm anti-American, but I question sometimes what they spend our tax dollars on. So I, I just did an investment to try and mitigate some income that we had. And so that was kind of it. And then, then, you know, of course, the building, the first building that we bought was one because we had, like, we put our business in it. So that's kind of the first one. But the second one that I bought, it was more of an investment. The building was fully occupied. It was very well managed. And so it was a good, I, it was a really good property for us to, to buy and to own. So Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for investing, reinvesting into real, into real estate to reduce those tax burdens. You know, we, we do something called cost segregation when we buy another building. And, and a lot of times I use land profits to do that because I don't get a tax benefit for the land. But if you take the land profit money or the money that's coming from my seller financing income and dump it into, you know, our office building or an apartment complex or self-storage, something with buildings on that we can do a cost segregation, we can depreciate those buildings and really I mean, you could sometimes ultimately reduce your tax burden. And I'm, I'm obviously no CPA. I, I use smart CPAs and uh, cost segregation studies. Yeah. So I definitely uh, recommend if you're paying taxes on your real estate, yeah. 
you need to talk to the right CPAs, listen to the Tom Wilwright writes a great book called Tax Free Wealth. It's a really good read. You can listen to it on Audible as well. Sure. Yeah. And I agree with you, not only just with um, your income from real estate that you should be able to mitigate your taxes and, and be able to use depreciation to help you out there, but also if you have income that you find yourself like more income than you would normally have, um, real estate's a great place to park that money, um, especially with the uncertainty in our stock market right now. So it's a good investment. Yeah, absolutely. I've been working with a lot of uh, private lenders lately too, because I've been getting so many land deals and I run out of money. So now I'm using other other people's money. We call that OPM, private lenders. So yeah. people have actually been like hesitant on putting their money in the stock market. And then some people like I've worked with have pulled their money out of the stock market and they've lent the money to me to buy land paying them anywhere from 9 to 12% interest for their money. But here's what's really cool. Here's what they love is not just earning money on their like interest on their money, but their money is secured by real estate. So we're securing their, their funds with this land that we're buying at less than 60 cents on the dollar. So their money's like basically yeah. secured by it. And then the title company takes care of all the paperwork and the legal documents. Uh, but that's been really fun thing, just bringing on those private lenders to be able to do more real estate deals. Going back to you, Kobe, what's a recent deal breakdown? I'd love to hear about one of your you know, favorite land deals you've done, because obviously that's my selfish selfish interest here is to hear about the amazing you know, agricultural land deals that Kobe's doing. Yeah. So probably the most interesting one that I've done recently was I had, uh, I repped a buyer on a Ducks Unlimited property, ah. which it was in a conservation easement. So like the a conservation easement is basically just a way to take a piece of property that off of like maybe production agriculture, you have very restricted use on it, but you know, you can get a tax break. Again, we're talking about how to make uh, taxes work in your favor or property, you know, work in your favor where it's taxes. So, so this property is basically just set up for a duck hunting enthusiast. And uh, so it was, it was quite the deal. It was, it had a house on it and stuff, but it was, it was a fun property to do. Okay. When you um, say Ducks Unlimited, are you talking about the happy, happy, happy guy? No, like Ducks Unlimited, uh, the hunting um, organization, the worldwide hunting oh, okay, organization. Okay. Okay. I was confusing spe- the, Duck yeah. Commander <laughs> and Ducks Unlimited. Yeah. yeah. So well, okay. Ducks, Duck Commander. Yeah. Those guys, uh, they make duck calls and Ducks Unlimited people would definitely like the duck calls. Well, but yeah. well Duck Commander is so a, a huge land enthusiast as well. I, I just read his book, yeah. Happy, Happy, Happy. And he had purchased a bunch of land in Louisiana that was in his words, worthless. It was all wetlands and they did the whole conservation easement thing. And he has now paid more per, if I remember correctly from the book, he has now paid more per year to own that land than what he originally paid for it, which is powerful. And they use it for duck hunting. Right. And there's a ton of, ton of different options on that. There's local and national uh, ways to get into conservation easements, but yeah. And again, that's, you know, when you're, my personal feeling is, is that's the reason why you use a, a professional when it comes to real estate, when it comes to ag and, and recreational properties, because it's important to know what, what you're looking at. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I preach that all the time. I want to find the land specialist real estate agent in the area that I'm buying in, because that's going to be my boots on the ground. That's going to be the, 
pretty much the most educated person out there because they've got access to all these tools. They can walk on the land. They can tell you, you know, hey, here's the difference in this area compared to this area. But let's walk through that deal a little bit. So it had a house. Is that is this something that you bought or something that you facilitated with with a client of yours? You said, yeah, no, like I uh, was just the buyer's representation on it. My buyer was from Southern California. He's uh, originally from uh, the area up here and uh, was just looking for a place that he could come back and do some hunting on for vacation. And we had a lot of people that that's what they buy the land for. This one just happened to have um, a house on it. Pretty nice home. Um, It had river uh, ground, accretion ground running through it. And so it was a perfect spot. Had some, some, did our research on it, had good bird count, ducks and geese on it, you know, during the right times of the year. Um, And then it had like a pond and a few things. So it was just the perfect spot for this guy. Uh, That's exactly what he was looking for. And as far as when it comes to recreational property, great investment for him going forward. He'll definitely get his money back out of it and then some someday now, down the road. was this something that was listed on the open market and you had the mm-hmm. buyer yep. and then you guys went and made an offer on it? Yep. This is a longtime client of mine. I've worked with him on a couple other projects. Um, and when this came up, I knew this was something that he was going to be be all over. And so we worked a deal out and it was um, a little over two and a half million dollar project. $2.5 million so, dollars just to hunt on. How, how many acres? Uh, about a quarter section of ground. So 165, 67. 165 acres. acres. Yep. But most of it, the river runs through it and a couple, you know, and so that was where the recreational part comes in. The ducks had a place to land when it's cold. So See, this is amazing because people ask me all the time, you know, who buys land? You know, who buys this land that you sell? Like who buys the land that you sell in the middle of nowhere? Who buys the recreational land? Right here, you, you just had a client that you've been working with for a while out of California, spent two and a half million dollars on 165 acres just to have a place to go duck hunting. So sure. it's just every piece of land I, I have ever purchased, there's always been a buyer for that land. You know, yeah. I, I feel like even the stuff that's been unbuildable, you know, unaccessible, <laughs> sometimes you have to hike into this stuff. There's always a buyer for it. There's always a buyer for every right. piece of land. Yeah. No, and that's absolutely true. And again, like like in in our company, we work from everything from residential to transitional, which is, I suppose, a lot of what you're into is the transitional land, taking a piece of property, helping somebody discover a value beyond where it's at, to agriculture, to recreational, you know, like, so again, it's like you said, and, you know, two and a half million dollars for a recreational piece of property where you're just going to go use it for duck hunting or whatever. It may seem crazy, but I always tell people is, is one man's dollar is another man's hundred dollars is another man's thousand dollars is another man's million, you know? So that is somebody that's looking at that saying, not only am I going to get joy out of it, I'm going to be able to take my family away from a crazy environment and maybe the city spend some quality time teaching them where I came from and my history. And then in the end of it, I'm going to be able to turn around when I don't need that anymore or when I, you know, and sell it and get my money plus some out of it. So, and again, with farm ground and uh, even to a certain extent, recreational property, you're looking at an ROI of somewhere between like a four to 9%, right? So, and that's pretty consistent. I mean, if you sell in a slow time or whatever with, if you look at a 20-year history on a piece of ag land, you're going to get probably 5 6% return on your money. It's not super flashy and exciting, but it's pretty dependable. 
you know, it's the tortoise and the tortoise and the hare, you know. So and a lot of this farmland, you can agriculture, you can make money with it oh, while yeah. you own it, as yeah. well as, you know, the local counties give you tax benefits as well for agricultural land. You know, if you're farming it or growing something on it or running cattle on it, they benefit you from for that. Now, if you stop that operation and the property appraiser catches you, we had one parcel of land, it's 14 acres, agriculture. We cut the sod off of it and we gave it a resting period before we put cattle back on it. And it wasn't quick enough. And the appraiser went, went out and said, listen, you know, you don't see high grass in February and you had high grass in February. So, and this is Florida. So we raised your taxes up to residential out of agriculture. That, that was a huge jump. It was about almost yeah. 3000 a year in additional taxes. Yeah. So we had to fight and levy and get that back. It was a fairly easy conversation. But you're, you're talking about taxes though. And again, like if you have recreational or if you have farm ground, all right. So depending on what type of farm ground that is. So let's just say it's, it's pasture ground, grass for grazing, right? Every fence, all your fences, your wells, your tanks, your, all the stuff that goes on it is all depreciable, right? So that's, that's part of, you know, you can use that for your taxes. Your cost is going to be covered by, again, like renting or leasing that property out. And so, you know, again, it's, you're going to make money while you're doing it, but you're also going to have, there's less of a, I don't know how to say it, but there's less of a fear, I guess, that in the end of it, it's going to be worth half of what it was worth before, because we can show you a hundred years of that's not the case. Right. So, so yeah, you've got the benefit of tax deductions. You've got the benefit of income from leasing. And you've also got the benefit of, of a long history of getting a big, you know, getting a a return on your investment. I love that. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I never thought about the fence post you know, the culverts, mm-hmm. the, the water tanks, you know, if you have a barn or a pad or something, I never thought about those being depreciable. Like in my land, the residential vacant land, there's nothing ever on it. Maybe a culvert from time to time and, and a, a driveway fences. And I didn't realize that. I just learned something. I didn't realize we could depreciate those. Now let's go yeah. back. Well, and it, go ahead. Well, and again, just real quick. I mean, if you have extra dollars, you know, you can also improve those fences or those, you know, like those waters and stuff like that. So you can take your money. And, and I, when we're managing property, we're telling people we want to invest like a certain percentage of our income back into the land every year. Because the idea is, is, you know, to have something better when you sell it than when you bought it. So, so again, there's that too. So you can all, you know, and that's a write-off any improvements that you make. So. Now you had mentioned the conservation easement and the benefits of doing that. Are you able to kind of break that down in layman terms? Cause I've personally run across land out in Florida that it has like a hundred year, 99 year conservation easement on it. Yeah. And that land compared to, you know, just down the street, that land sells for about 1800 an acre with the conservation easement on it. And then if you go just a little further down the street where we don't have that, it's like 18,000 an acre. Such a huge yeah. difference. That's the problem with the conservation easement is depending on what you're doing with the property, it can devalue it, 
Okay, so it's better to have somebody way smarter than me look at that kind of stuff. But when it comes to ag values and land values, I mean, in Nebraska, yes, the majority, like if you take and put a put a piece of uh, farm ground, like a production agriculture, irrigated farm ground, and you take that offline and say, hey, I'm going to take the quarter of a million dollar a year for six year tax break on that. You're basically trading the money now for the production income off of it for the next 60, 100 lifetime, whatever you you sign it up for. So it's just, you've heard the the government tell you that they're planning on, you know, 30% of the country needs to be um, in some sort of a forestry program or something like that by 2030. Um, I don't know exactly what their verbiage is, but 30 for 30 is what that program's called. This is the way they're going to do that. They're going to take it out of production by just putting it into conservation easement. And this creates supposedly um, environments for like wildlife and and that kind of stuff where we're not running a, a implement through the field all the time or we're not, you know, ruining the land according to the, according to what they think. So I don't know if that, yeah, that makes smart a, or not, but it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so the, the government's basically trying to keep us from utilizing it, farming all of it, ranching all of it, developing all of it. So there's right. something left for the wildlife. Their, yeah. Their goal is, is to create habitats and things like that so that the wildlife and, and like even to the point of insects and everything else, there's places where when you go do site surveys, you probably know that, that, oh my gosh, we found this little beetle that's, you know, there's only three of them in the world and we got a can't build here or we have to, you know, move them and it costs millions, you know? So, so that's kind of the idea behind it is just to take a lot of the land offline but it works out really slick if you're a hunter or a fisher and that's what, you know, like that land you can put into a conservation easement and it actually uh, does not affect the value. Yeah, that's perfect. So, well, what you want to do with it anyways, you know, it's like we have the gopher tortoise, the gopher here in, in yeah. Florida, you know, and you can relocate those about $3,000 a turtle. <laughs> um, yeah. Nope. Kobe, how can people get in touch with you? Maybe they want to buy some recreational land out in Nebraska. What's the best way to get in touch with you? So, yeah, I have my real estate license in Kansas, Nebraska, and South Dakota. So I do uh, have quite a big swath that I cover. Um, you can get a hold of me by email is the best, Kobe, K-O-B-Y, at Remax, H-F-R. Uh, it's homefarmranchhfr.com. Um, or you can go to uh, the website. It's nebraska.land, and that'll take you to our website. Um, and you can we're kind of in the rebuild process of that, but as soon as we get it up and running, it's going to be awesome. I love it. I love the the different outlook to the agriculture, the recreational, because we don't talk about that. We never talk about that on the wholesaling podcast. So I, I like actually talking to other people that are doing different things. Here you have it, Rider Nation. That's all for this episode. I want you to go to thelandsharks.com right now, schedule a call, fill out that application, fill it out thoroughly. We can only take on three to five people a month. So if you're one foot in, one foot out, don't even fill it out. I want you to go out there. If you if you really are serious about this, serious about changing your life and building a real estate business that will serve you and your families and others, fill it out now. Schedule a call. If we like what you have to say, we might even invite you to be a shark. God bless. Till the next time. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.